That apparatus was constructed for dual operation. You know that. I thought I could work it myself, but, but I can't. I'm delighted. That means your experiment will not succeed. You're going to help me, Paul. Whatever you say. Welcome once again to Don't Stay Dead, a podcast that covers the murky world of cult and horror films. This episode we are looking at uh, a Hammer classic, um, uh, The Curse of Frankenstein, 1957, starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. It's Paul's choice. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, a great one, may I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Class film. Um, so I guess I'll introduce the panel. To my right is Mr. Paul Doran. Hello. And to my left, Mr. David Hanna. Hello. And we're on... Uh, uh, won't stay dead at wordpress.com which is kind of like our blog and uh, has all the Facebook and Twitter links and all the usual stuff uh, so yeah click on that if you you know care and stuff <laughs> uh, yeah so we're kind of looking at a, a Hammer Classic and it kind of came about as a result of Halloween didn't it Paul because yeah. the BBC showed it Fair amount of Hammer stuff. They did, yeah, um, and it was it was brilliant. I think they, they maybe showed a Christmas a couple of years ago because I remember they always sort of went watching uh, Hammer around Christmas time. But uh, yeah, they showed it and they showed Dracula. The night it was fifty eight Dracula, fifty nine. I think it was fifty eight. Uh, which were both excellent, but Chris Frankenstein did that a little bit darker. Mm. And, mm. Yeah. Peter Cushing's pretty good in it. Yes. Yeah. Had you seen it before, Dean? Uh, the past few weeks actually sort of coincidentally I just decided to watch it and then a few days later it turned up on iPlayer so yeah I'd, I'd seen it um, did think it was really good like at the time I don't know I kind of got a, a this inclination to watch Hammer films because I haven't watched I think that's probably the only one I've watched apart from a few when I was a wee kid and I can't really remember yeah. them I think I'm not too sure if it is Hammer it possibly might be I've seen that one it's called like The Skull or something Peter Cushing's in it. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it Hammer? I, I don't know, actually. It's uh, the same sort of style, yeah, anyway. It, it, it could be Amicus. Amicus? They're kind of like the other um, English oh, horror. Okay. They're kind of like an, a different Hammer. Well, I, I saw it in the black box, anyway, because they were doing like a season of like you know old horror films. Uh, but it was a while ago. But yeah, it was really good. Um, seen it before. Um, yeah. <laughs> Peter, Peter Cushing's pretty good. Yeah, he is. Um... Beers, I guess, then, lads? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a a bit of a departure this week because we are recording for the first time on a Sunday. We're really feeling like a Sunday morning. It is Sunday afternoon, early afternoon. But uh, <laughs> I think maybe we're all a little bit a bit worse for wear. And <laughs> yeah. Maybe drank a little bit too much last night. And uh, we are sort of trying to behave ourselves because it is Sunday afternoon and we've got a whole day ahead of us after this so you have got to put our Christmas tree up yeah <laughs> <sighs> so we're not really going all out in drinks but uh, I'm yeah. sure, you, sure you kick off uh, well uh, okay fair enough young me um, and I'm sort of doing what Ian did last time which is drinking what I had in the fridge because I didn't want to 
who spent a fortune on your beers, but I've got Galway Hooker, Irish Pale Ale, which is delicious, and uh, can't really connect to Frankenstein, other than it's it's Irish, and Mary Shelley was part Irish. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I can't remember how. And I also have a Samuel Adams Boston Lager, which I just can't really connect to Frankenstein at all. Uh, I was oh, racking my brain to put it in the, the way over here, but uh, <laughs> uh, there's a man in the front holding a uh, on the front of the label holding a stein that looks he looks a little bit Swiss maybe, <laughs> even though he's obviously from Boston. But yeah, um, I suppose stein. But, yeah, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> He's holding Frankenstein. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's my lot today. Um. Fair play, <laughs> Dave. What do I do? Uh, I brought because uh, I kind of wanted to be good as well. So I'm going to have some shandies, but I'm going to have it with uh, Estrella Dam because it was damned from the start. <laughs> I don't know. It's very tenuous. Classic Barcelona beer. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, that's all I'll be drinking. Shandies. Nice. <laughs> cool. Nothing. Nothing insane. What about you, Ian? Um, I kind of, because I'm driving later on and stuff, I kind of have just, just stuck to completely um, booze-free stuff. So I got some Twiglets, because Twiglets are kind of quintessentially English. And Reminds me of New Year's. As are, um, <laughs> as are Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. True. Um, and Dr. Pepper, because it's another famous doctor. Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. And some orange Fanta, because wasn't Fanta invented for the Nazis? Was it? Supposedly. Yeah, yeah. well, there's this thing, it could be one of these bollocks rumours, but supposedly it was like, um, Coca-Cola obviously didn't give a, you know, like, obviously Coca-Cola don't, don't really give a shit about um, whether or not, you know, uh, governments are right-wing and stuff, so they decided to make this for the Nazis because the German people, because the America was the enemy, they wouldn't drink a kind of corporate American product. Oh, yeah. So they right. so they invented this, right? I think that's the reason, anyway. Hmm. But um, but anyway, yeah. So I mean, Frankenstein, I suppose, is kind of a professor in eugenics, really, isn't he? He's trying yeah. to kind of sacrificing innocent people for this superior race, which is a bit like Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I think there's quite round about it. But. I think there are sort of other parallels oh. to uh, yeah. sort of Nazi doctors and stuff. Um, yeah, like Goebbels or something. Yeah. Like that. Uh, sort of cold cut. He was the propaganda minister, wasn't he? I, uh, what do you call him? Um, I forgot the name of the, the doctor. Mengele. Mengele? Joseph Mengele. Yeah. yeah. Joseph. Oh, yeah. Okay. And some Toblerone, because it's Swiss chocolate, and um, Dr. Frankenstein is Swiss, and it's set in Switzerland, isn't it? Geneva? Yeah. The, yeah. the book was, anyway. I think, yeah, it's written in Geneva as well. Yeah. I think the film is too, isn't it? It's it to is, yeah. It's set in the Swiss Alps somewhere. Yeah, they're all obviously kind of German. Um, but, you know, Hammer obviously does, does that thing where most of its films seem to be set in Germany in the 1800s, but it's all filmed, you know, yeah, in, in English and with kind of this, you know, um, you know, kind of working class people have a strong Cockney accent and yeah. the, the stars always have a kind of received pronunciation accent, so I suppose it's, you're just supposed to pretend that they're all German, really, aren't you? You do get the odd prospects with a, a German or Swiss accent, yeah, which like is, is strange. Dr. Bernstein? Yeah. Or Professor Bernstein? Yeah. Um, which seems seems bizarre, since... Uh, but yeah, you don't even notice it, I suppose it's done. done all right. But uh, yeah, we... So, so we I'm may doing... end up being incredibly short today, since we're not, <laughs> we're not drinking, or possibly incredibly boring as well. Yeah. Rambling. Since, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually going to drink some Dr. Pepper now. That's weird. Oh, hey. <laughs> 
I haven't thought about it in ages. That works great. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I might actually open. See if you got a bottle opener there. Open it. Open my. I'm gonna go for golly hooker first. I've got my keys. It tastes garage. quite um. It tastes quite medicinal, doesn't it, Doctor Pepper? It does, yeah. yeah. Okay. Have some tobruin, lads. All the children at the same time, there will be a protracted silence where we all try and get our dolls around a massive triangle of chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, no, I shouldn't be eating, should I? <laughs> <laughs> I see a, a flaw in your plan. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, I suppose, what were your, your first impressions of Frankenstein? Well, I was going to say, do, do, like, do, do, like, do, do, do you have a quiz or anything? I don't. I totally <laughs> forgot. I, only when you open up your laptop, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot to make a quiz. I had a good one planned as well. I just don't have the... Oh, I had a hammer, hammer quiz. What's Frankenstein's first name? <laughs> uh, Victor. Victor. Oh, wins. There we go. The <laughs> yeah, that's, the first, that's the first quiz I've won. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the, no, that's actually literally the first quiz I've won. <laughs> good job, Dave. Um, I might have to disqualify you for not bringing booze. No! <laughs> the title's been taken away. We brought Twiglets. <laughs> yeah, like, do you, like, can you get, can you get Twiglets in America? People, yeah. people listening in America or whatever might not know what Twiglets are. I kind of think so. I don't know. Weird, long, crunchy things that taste like Marmite. <laughs> they are. Yeah, that's pretty good. That makes it sound horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're sort of hard to dress up and... Uh, and make sound appealing. They are quite appetite. They are quite nice, but um, very Moorish. They do just look like twigs <coughs> from the tree. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, in lieu of a quiz, um, we will have we listened to one of my famous compilations, and then come back and discuss Cars of Frankenstein. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Perhaps you had better start from the beginning. Perhaps you had better start from the beginning. Where did it all begin? Perhaps you had better start from the beginning. Where did it all begin? Perhaps you had better start from the beginning. Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? Perhaps you had better start from the beginning. Perhaps you had better start from the Perhaps you had better start from the beginning. Where did it all begin? Perhaps you'd better start Perhaps you'd better start Perhaps you'd better start But don't you see, Paul? We've discovered the source of life itself And we've used it to restore a creature that was dead We've restored life And life is extinct It's no longer sufficient to bring the dead back to life you must destroy this thing now. Oh, don't you see? I've succeeded. You succeeded, yes. Nearly succeeded in getting yourself killed. Another ten seconds this and you would have... This is my done. creation. It's what I've done that counts. I've created a being. You promised to destroy it. Well, I've carried out my research. But don't you see? You've created a monster. That doesn't matter. You killed him and now you're mutilating his body. Don't be a Be careful! Go damn it! Oh, I'm sorry, Paul. But you must. You must leave me, Paul. 
Okay, so, yeah, Curse of Frankenstein, Hammer film, uh, 1957. So, Paul, do you want to kind of start off by, because like you've got a bit of a soft spot for uh, Hammer films um, from your kind of youth, for want of a better word? Yeah. <laughs> for want of, yeah, exactly. Um, I, uh, I do, yeah. It always reminds me of Christmas. I always used to, still do, sort of spend usually Christmas Eve after all the drinking's done and everybody's sort of gone to bed. I sort of stay up to watch a, a Hammer as a sort of like tradition to, my, to myself but um, I, uh, yeah it's um, there's just something lovely about them there's just there's a a certain a certain warmth to them you know um, as dark and as disturbing as they can be there's uh, uh, they're all shot in a really lovely way and they're all um, it's just charming I suppose charming mm-hmm. and, and horrific <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah they're great um, but uh <coughs> The Curse of Frankenstein is is definitely darker than I remembered it being. Um, it uh, is darker than Dracula, and Dracula was is one of my my new favorites as well. I haven't rewatched it recently, uh, but I think The Curse of Frankenstein essentially really launched Hammer in the the horror direction. You know, they um, I don't think they'd really made a horror before then. I think uh, and I think horror as a genre had started to. Uh, started to decline, you know, from the big universal days in the thirties and forties. Um, I think the early fifties, at least, were kind of a dry period, which was filled with sci-fi instead, really. Mm-hmm. So I think this sort of revitalized the horror genre, and it definitely set uh, set Hammer on a new course, and one which they're they're nice and homeless with. Yeah. Um, and so the film itself takes it takes a basic idea of. Shelley's book and uh, takes Baron Frankenstein as a scientist who becomes obsessed with trying to create life um, along with his assistant Paul <laughs> his tutor <laughs> Paul who is uh, <laughs> is more sensible of the, I think that's an oddly modern name isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem very Swiss although it probably is like probably loads of Swiss yeah. Polish, but um I think it sounds really weird because it does. Yeah, um, Frankenstein shouts Paul or says says Paul loads of times throughout the film, and I actually start to sort of find it actually quite funny every time he said Paul, especially at the end when Paul refuses to save him, and he's going, "You must save me, Paul! You you must tell him!" And then he he kind of strangles him, and then Paul kind of uh, you know kind of repels back, and he goes, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Paul." I know it's weird. It's really incongruous. It sort of reminded me, for some reason, of uh, there's a a blackadder where there's a girl dressed up as a boy who's very obviously a girl. Just going to say that, yeah. And yeah, really reminded me of Bob. (laughs) The blackadder always says Bob. Bob. Yeah, Yeah, like like if if kind of most of the (coughs) kind of famous horror filmmaking countries have their have their kind of prime so America you could say it's either maybe the, the slasher boom in the 80s or the kind of uh, universal monsters in Italy it's obviously you know kind of shadow films and perhaps zombie films would you say that like maybe Britain's Britain's kind of 
um, golden age was was Hammer films. I mean, that was that was the time that was the time when when Britain was kind of on the world stage for yeah. for horror filmmaking. Seems to be. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did that launch the sort of idea? Uh, like maybe I'm reaching here, but like you know the way in Hollywood films, like English guys are the bad guys all the time. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Would it be anything to do with Hammer films? Because it's always those sort of quite well spoken English actors, and it always seems to be something quite you know malevolent about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know it if could that be, yeah. could be a hangover from it or um, I, don't, I, I don't see why not I mean like I think that's yeah definitely I'd never thought of that before but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like when did the first kind of sound pictures come about uh, like 30s and 40s no I think earlier than that I think uh, maybe before the 20s possibly oh. early 20s I'm not sure I'm not hmm yeah, 100% true. But I think, yeah. So, 1957, you know, sound, I think, sound, relatively speaking, wasn't that new in films? So. No, no, I think it was It was very <laughs> much, uh, I think it was definitely the standard. Um, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't really think there were any sound films being made after the, hmm. the 20s. But um, Yeah. So, um, yeah, for, for audiences, I suppose, um, yeah, that kind of Peter Christian, Christopher Lee, RP, English accent, yeah, probably did just become yeah. synonymous with yeah. Count Dracula and Dr. Frankenstein. And well, it does give it that, like what you're saying, Paul, warmth as well. Like, yeah. Just listening to those guys speak, it's uh, something different to it than like what you'd associate with other horror films, such as slashers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you get more involved, I think, in the like very heavily verbose script at times. Yeah, so. it is very verbose, yeah. <laughs> There's like there's one part I remember like he's talking about uh, what did you call his uh, servant or the maid sorry uh, is it Justine is it Justine but whenever yeah. he sets her up to be killed by the monster yeah and then his cousin is like asking oh where'd she go uh-huh. and he says something along the lines of I suspect she eloped with some uh, village Lothario <laughs> yeah, yeah I hadn't heard the word Lothario before <laughs> I know so. it's and that that is such a strange like thing to say as well yeah <laughs> um, whereas she, she's she's popped out to the shops or she's anywhere I, I, no she's she'd probably run off <laughs> well she had to go home early. <laughs> yeah yeah that, 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 that's the scene just after he's kind of let the monster kill um, what's she called is it just Justine is the Justine. is the uh, maid um, and there's the, the, the kind of really famous line where it cuts from Frankenstein being really evil and locking her in the room so that Christopher Lee will, will kill her and then the very next line is Peter Cushing saying, would you pass the marmalade please, dear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just really shows kind of how deranged he is because he just, he kind of thinks nothing of it. Yeah. The finality of evil. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually a really good character, I think. I think uh, Cushing actually kind of creates a really good character because there are, there are points when, when he, like, th- throughout the whole thing, he, he still does like um, Paul doesn't he? Like yeah. you know, like you, you don't you don't ever get the inkling that he would that he would ever do Paul any harm. He's just like, fair enough. It's a bit annoying that you're not helping me out, but you know, I sort of sensed maybe a sort of homoerotic subtext there because he doesn't seem to have any interest in women per se. Oh well, I suppose he seems to be sort of well. He's a definite. He's a definite misogyny streak. Um, it's more like he uses them, really, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but his real passion is is science and yeah. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Paul! Paul! Um, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, there's there's a bit that actually I only it only twigged and I wanted to twig with you guys. Um, I only twigged with being like the second time I watched it, 
after um, Elizabeth comes to stay as cousin, um, she's kind of saying, oh, you know, like, why, why can't I see your laboratory, all that, all that kind of stuff. And then she says, um, you know, I, I would love to help you out with your experiments. And he, he, lift, he lifts her head up by the chin and he looks like he's examining her and he says, perhaps you will one day. Yeah, so, yeah. And I, I completely missed it the first time, but I think what he means is you're actually a fine specimen. Some, someday I might use you, use your yeah, body or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, makes sense though. No. I think it's just the complete subtlety of of Cushing because you know that that necess- wasn't necessarily even intended by the script. No, but, but Cushing is just able to put that across. There are a couple of things like that that are almost red herrings. Like there's, um, I I assume he was actually going to use uh, Paul the first time. Because um, he, I can't remember exactly what he says, but uh, he talks about when he's talking about getting a new specimen and uh, uh, getting a new brain, and he wants an intelligent person, and you can sort of almost see him sizing up Paul's brain from <laughs> from across the room, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, I was actually then surprised that he got somebody else. Uh, so, but yeah. maybe his intention originally was Paul, but yeah. possibly not. Maybe um, maybe he was too too enthralled with Paul to, to ever. <laughs> Never do many harm, you say. <laughs> the Beverly actually gets the brain is crazy. Like, um, you know, uh, the professor that he pushes over the stairs, yeah. and the banister, even that bit looks really sore. <laughs> yeah, I'm professor it out. What's that over there? <laughs> yeah, it's um, um it's it, like I just, I was looking up the IMDb stuff on it, like you know the trivia section mm-hmm. to see if there's anything interesting, but. I didn't get a chance to watch it again when I saw this, but uh, I read this even. It says that the floor wobbles. Oh, yeah. He falls mm. on the ground. I, d- I didn't watch it back, so I don't know. So I'm wondering if it was some sort of, like, trampoline that painted. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I didn't notice. But it still looked really painful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The glands on his head. The way the yeah. stunt actor... Like, and it is a person, isn't it? It's a stunt actor. So. Is it? Yeah, because he looks. Really, if you see his face, it looks really different. It doesn't just look right. like a dummy. Uh, you know, I think it's but, definitely a person. Thank okay. God. But uh, they've obviously trained themselves to land in this position. Yeah, <laughs> it's really well done, though. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I actually I thought maybe the fall would, the fact that he landed on his head would sort of um, be the thing that compromises the the brain. Not, but maybe actually that is the thing that sort of compromises the brain. And, and, he, and he blames Paul for it. Paul because he can't. Um, but yeah, but a bit of trivia: the uh, painting on the staircase that he shows to Professor Bernstein is Rembrandt's *The Anatomy Lesson* of Doctor Nicolas Tulp. So, um, a bit like in Halloween when Laurie's got this picture on her wall of famous Belgian artists who drew people with, with masks. They've kind of purposely chosen that picture because it's obviously about a, a doctor um, of anatomy. So, yeah, interesting that, tidbit. That could be a, a quiz sometime. We'll uh, get uh, get paintings from films. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll test you. So <laughs> how well, you know your your horror film paintings. Um, why do you think he shouts uh, Professor Look Out? Is it, is it to get the Professor to turn around so he can push him from the back? Or is it, or is it so that later on uh, his alibi will be Elizabeth and Paul will be able to say, oh yes, we, we heard him yeah, say... Yeah, I think I assume it was for the alibi. Like, yeah. but uh, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. It could even be that he isn't really in control of his own, his own actions Maybe. to an extent or something, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I assume it was for the alibi. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is a really funny way to kill someone, though. Enough, you know, <laughs> over the banister. Yeah, yeah. You think they'd walk in and go? So this old man managed to sort of fall over that banister. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and crash through it. Yeah. I love yeah. the way they don't fix it for ages as well. Oh, did they not? You did not notice that? There's a big gap there for. Oh, oh no, I didn't yeah. notice that. 
I think it does get fixed at some stage when it comes back. <laughs> yeah, I could be wrong about that, but there is, like, for ages, there is a gap there. <laughs> yeah, like, like, the, like, they were all obviously drinking. Why didn't, you know, because he's, he's a genius, why didn't he just come up with some poison that, that only takes effect six hours after you consume yeah. it and then they would just be passed off as he, he died in his sleep or something yeah, like that yeah exactly uh, seems like a bit of a messy and dangerous thing to do I wonder maybe maybe did uh, was he worried that the poison would damage his brain or something oh, yeah that was the thing I was worried about I mean like Professor Bernstein is probably what 80 yeah and so he's lived a life of like 80 years of you know life and drinking and growing old surely his brain is going to be isn't going to be yeah the, the, the specimen that he's looking for I mean like why, yeah. why not go and get like a like a, a a kind of twenty five year old post grad, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, rather, rather yeah. than an old professor, he's probably going a bit senile anyway. <laughs> so I was going to say because I think everybody suffers from a wee bit of dementia, don't they? Like, yeah, it just sort of creeps in the old time, and right. so you start forgetting stuff. So it's not exactly the best brain to get. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine Frankenstein has like delusions of grandeur though, and is infatuated with the idea of sort of intellectual. Um, I don't know. Like yeah, he's like he seems to be in love with the idea of being, you know, absolutely lauded, you know, being like an almost like a Nobel laureate or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe he's going for that, that esteem, you know. Yeah. Uh, rather than, he's a, yeah, he's totally besotted with the professor because the professor's so highly regarded. Yeah. Right? And just is this gonna make a monster that can't remember where he put his keys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I think whenever Paul comes in and Elizabeth says, "Oh, he's Victor's with Professor Bernstein," you know, even Paul's like, "Jesus, Professor Bernstein here? My God!" You know, so yeah. he's obviously a completely world-renowned professor. I was watching a video earlier, actually. Um, I think it was on that website Reddit. Uh-huh. It was just this uh, uh, biology lecturer showing you what a brain's actually like. It's yeah. really bizarre. Like, I don't think I'd actually seen one being fiddled with before. Yeah, apparently, like obviously they get like. They must get like fresh cadavers delivered in, you know, for doing it to medical science and stuff. But yeah, she's just showing you what a brain's like and what she would do in like these biology lectures. It's really, really sort of uh, fragile. Yeah. It's like basically she said, like, you can see if I even brush this with my finger, it's just really squishy. Right. So like you could just like put your finger into it and damage it. Like that's how soft it is. Like, (laughs) it's so weird. And like, uh, which is like playing about well she's not playing about with us but like <laughs> demonstrating it like um, the whole thing the, apparently they have to tie a, a bit of string on it mm-hmm. when they're displaying it when they put it in jars because if they just stick it in a jar it'll collapse under its own oh, weight really? yeah, right. because it's so fragile it's just Jesus. a big spongy mess and it's really heavy yeah and she was saying it'll just like deform if they put it in a jar so yeah. they have to hang it Whoa. in formaldehyde you know. that's cool wow. But, uh, yeah, it's it's worth watching, like you know, yeah, just cool. out of interest, you know. Did it? I mean, did it look like the brain that they used? Do you think that did they get it? Did they get it right? Did uh, the hammer? Did hammer get it right? I can't remember <clears throat> now actually what the uh, hammer one's like. I've, I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, they they kind of flop out a bit, don't they? Yeah, like a like a butterfly chicken fillet I suppose yeah. so it is kind of like that I mean it does remind you of like yeah, fillets yeah. you know just all uh, floppy yeah so I guess yeah. have you ever eaten this no <laughs> no I actually uh, haven't I've had a I've tasted calves brains before a tiny tiny portion what are they like uh, it was all alright I can't I can't really remember it having a distinctive taste but uh, it was part of like uh, sort of some fancy I can't even remember what it was with. It was like just a, a wee bit on the side, hmm. to like a steak or something. But, uh, 
strange. Yeah. It's very strange. Only had like it was a tiny, tiny minute portion. That's not would be strange. <laughs> Something I've always wanted to try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brains. Yeah. I was gonna ask if you were gonna say that when you eat it. I also had chicken heart for the first time recently, which Whoa. is absolutely delicious. I've never had heart either. It's good. It's really good. Got it in this Brazilian restaurant. Really? Um, Where's that? Uh, one actually it's probably gone because we were the only people there uh, the whole night uh, but it's uh, opposite where the Elms used to be okay. called Ben Brazil it's like half Indian half Brazilian strange colony the big tam tandoor cook uh, cool Brazilian there you go. food which is you ever, ever in Belfast and fancy some chicken heart go there yeah <laughs> I think it's probably closed now <laughs> <laughs> it's a flash in the pan thing like Belfast was ready for for the Brazilian nation fusion like looking into that whenever you were talking about that Rembrandt painting it kind of got me into like one of those Wikipedia adventures and um, like sort of started looking up body snatching and stuff and yeah because apparently they had to bring in like a law it was like 1832 could be wrong about that but it was basically where people could legally leave their body to science because that hadn't been done before and people just right. used to rob graves all yeah, the time yeah yeah I think there was so many executions at one stage that there was just so many bodies like right, yeah. that you could take them um, because the law apparently was pretty, was pretty easy on it. Um, you, if you were caught like stealing a body, you'd basically just be fined or imprisoned for a few days. Right. But if you took property from it, like you know jewelry yeah. or anything, then you would get a more, much harsher punishment. Uh-huh. So people would take the body and just leave stuff behind in the grave. Yeah. Okay. Take off rings and stuff and just chuck them back in. It's interesting. Yeah. And then the, if they did get caught, they'd spend a day, but then they could sell this body for like. I think at the time it was around seven pounds or something, right? Which was quite a lot back then, um, so it was yeah. pretty profitable business. Yeah. But then it led on to people who actually started murdering people. Yeah, it was Burke and Harris, the famous ones. Yeah, from who were both from here actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. one was from Newry, and I think one was from near Donegal. I think maybe Tyrone. But yeah. like nobody's really sure where he's from, but he sort Aye. of resided in those areas. But then he moved to Scotland, and yeah. Edinburgh, I think so. And yeah. started going all sorts. Yeah, there, there is actually a line um, that Frankenstein says. It's when Paul's kind of finding out that he's, he's going as far as robbing graves and all that kind of stuff. Um, he says something like, "I'm doing. I'm not doing anyone any harm. What I'm doing is robbing a few few graves." And what scientist doesn't do that? Yeah. And so that line is like kind of yeah. telling us that this is quite commonplace. It's not really that unusual for him to be robbing yeah. robbing graves. It's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did any of you guys watch any of the other kind of Cushing Hammer Frankenstein films not mm-hmm. Frankenstein I'll just know um, Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, The Revenge of Frankenstein and Frankenstein Created Woman right um, The Revenge of Frankenstein follows directly on from from the from the curse of Frankenstein and do you want to tell you what happens or I think I, I know I think I've seen it before but is it where he sw- swaps the priest for him and Basically, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to ask that, like, what happens? Because the guillotine comes down at the end, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you see the credits come up. Aye. Oh no! It 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 it, 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 it just gets raised up oh, and okay. then it roll and freeze freeze frame. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he 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 swaps um, himself with the priest. I think it is, isn't it? I think so. He, no, like he pays someone to. I can't believe I, I can't remember this, but it's not that he that he pays his his servant to, to do it, so that he can then. Put him. It, it, well, it, it, it's basically his 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 kind of servant in his laboratory is um, uh, has kind of got a limp and a and a wonky arm and things like that. So, <laughs> so he kind of agrees to be 
to be uh, a test subject for Frankenstein to to give him like a new body. Yeah. Um. So the 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 monster in um, Revenge of Frankenstein is uh, basically uh, this guy who, yeah, this kind of deformed dwarf guy who um, ends up in this kind of perfect body, uh, but ends up ends up going mental because he works out that um, he's done the same experiment on a monkey and it turned the monkey into a, into a meat eater into a cannibal. Um, and so the, the, it kind of has a similar effect on uh, on this on this new monster. And I mean, obviously, like Christopher Lee is is class. But I, I, when I was watching Revenge of Frankenstein, I thought, is this actually a better film than Curse of Frankenstein? I think there's there's definitely more to the monster. There, there's kind of a bit more anguish there, and I think the guy's a better actor. Like he 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 plays um, basically a person who's just been put into a new body, and mm. that body's waking up. He plays that. Just absolutely brilliantly, yeah. Like the, in the way he kind of walks across the room when he first stands up, and it re- it really properly looks like someone who's just you know been transported into a new body. And I think it's maybe slightly darker. There's maybe slightly slightly more to it. Um, and then Frankenstein created woman is just a, a complete kind of just spin off that was made some some years later. Um, and it involves uh, this barmaid who is is kind of de- deformed on one side of her face. But this guy, um, this young kind of guy, falls in love with her, and long story short, the two of them end up getting killed, and Frankenstein puts his brain into her body, and so then she kind of wakes up in bed and doesn't know who she is, and then starts to remember things, and obviously, obviously, it all goes tits up in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think they're worth seeing, but 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 there are a few more. There's um. In between the Revenge of Frankenstein and Frankenstein Created Women, there was the Evil of Frankenstein. Then there was Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, nineteen sixty nine, and then the Horror of Frankenstein, which was nineteen seventy, and didn't star Peter Cushing. It's a remake, isn't it, of the Yes, of course, of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, is it? Yeah. Like, so I think it's like a spoof remake. And then Cushing came back for Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell in nineteen seventy three, which I haven't seen, but um, No, I've never seen that. Yeah. I think I've seen I've definitely seen the Horror of Frankenstein and I've seen um Revenge and Frankenstein creates woman uh, before like years ago, but uh, haven't seen any of the later later ones. There. Frankenstein creates woman is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's quite heartbreaking, really. It is, yeah, because there's, there's these kind of three wanker toffs who kind of go around <laughs> kind of throwing their throwing their money about, and um, they actually end up yeah kind of causing the death of the two kind of kind of sympathetic characters in the film. So you there is actually a moment you you feel kind of real injustice for them and. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. I mean, I think because like I know that my um, my dad always kind of complained he didn't like Hammer films because there was just there was nothing to them. There was no kind of subtext. They were just kind of horror for the sake of horror, I guess. But um, that's kind of what I like about them. Well, yeah, well, you know what I mean. I don't know. I think well, yeah, I think the Curse Frankenstein has has quite a lot of depth to it. Like yeah, it, it definitely mines the philosophical uh, territory. Like no no other horror film would. Well, not like no other horror film, but. In a way that you wouldn't normally expect a horror movie. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's quite relevant today as well with all the stuff that's going on and like you know advancements in biology. You know? Yeah, because there's like was that last year a couple of years ago? I think it failed in the end, but they managed to graft a whole limb onto someone, didn't they? Yeah, I and think the so. body rejected it. Yeah. In the end. but like the fact that they're able to do stuff like that and also give people face transplants now. Yeah, <laughs> which like they're not amazing, but still like it's a step. Yeah. And I was reading up recently about the American military apparently have put loads of money into research and like growing back limbs and things like yeah. that. 
whether that's ever possible, but they're certainly looking into it. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's scary. Crazy, yeah. It's probably, it'll probably just happen. It probably, probably will happen sooner or later, won't it? I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that thing, like, I saw a video of it's American military. I don't know what company makes it, but it's basically, have you ever seen her? I heard of that computer game. Is it Mac Warrior or something? Oh, yeah. Or even yeah. that thing from Aliens 2, you know, the big lifter thing. Aye. Oh, yeah. There's this thing like that, but it's like this pneumatic suit, so you can't really walk too far from the source that powers it. Like, Yeah. But basically, a, a soldier can fit in it and makes him, like, ten times as stronger. Fuck. So he can, like, destroy, you know, concrete bricks and stuff just yeah. with his arm. That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's like... Um, Starship Troopers, the the book of Starship Troopers, yeah. was, uh, is it Robert Heinlein? Heinlein yeah. yeah, they yeah they have these these suits. I think in the movie they're just like obviously humanity's evolved slightly more to to be be springier and stronger and stuff. But uh, yeah, in the, the book it's all all big suits like that. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like cool. the book up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of raises questions so. like that. You know, well, that all, I suppose like the original Frankenstein would have anyway. But I suppose maybe back then, when Mary Shelley wrote that sort of thing, people wouldn't have had a clue where this stuff could have led, and maybe thought stuff like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of wonder with these kind of things. I mean, the original Frankenstein, I think, was conceived because Percy and Mary Shelley were staying at Byron's castle, I think. Yeah. And I think they basically spent the weekend drinking and telling ghost stories. Yeah. So when she went to bed on the second night or something, she she dreamt the whole thing. Uh, jumped the whole thing of the premise of Frankenstein up and um, I don't know I mean I do think there's kind of connections to to Darwin you know because Darwin kind of opens up this this idea of maybe you know maybe God isn't in control of everything maybe maybe yeah. man can kind of control its own destiny and definitely you know. it's like yeah, I suppose the, the title was second Prometheus modern Prometheus, modern Prometheus. Um, the subtitle and yeah that's sort of the I don't know I imagine that the same idea as you know, man is man is not a god you know man has taken, taken god's yeah. uh, abilities and you know that's but look where it leads brave new world yeah <laughs> what was Prometheus the guy was he punished for giving fire yeah stealing fire from the gods yeah and then he was like punished to some eternal <laughs> yeah. horrible I just can't remember what it was no I can't remember either um, it was some some dicky thing like it was like or speared or something forever yeah <laughs> I can't remember what it was <laughs> Well, Sam's <laughs> hibbered his eyes. <laughs> what's the one where the guy's tied to a, the guy, there's a guy tied to a pole in a mountain and vultures eat out his liver? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that I think that is. Actually, that is yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly eating out his liver and yeah. back again. Yeah. That is pretty dicky, like. I wonder if you get used to it. I know. <laughs> oh, God, right. Birds don't eat my liver again. Because <laughs> like, you know when you play guitar, you get calluses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get callus liver, yeah. <laughs> I suppose it would be okay if it happened at the end of the day, because then, because, because then at least you'd have each day to kind of sit and think, oh, yeah, this isn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you just die in the morning, then you'll be dead until the next day. I, I think the thing is that he never dies. It just sort of, it's just really painful over and over again. It just heals up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, great, great gods are way more fun than, like, you know, any of the sort of standard modern religions. Yeah. Like, I know. All the mental stuff that I have. I know. Do you remember that one? It's like, um, is it Leda and the Swan? Yeah. Where Zeus turns into a swan and rapes yeah. one of the nymphs who's bathing in the lake or something? Yeah. yeah. Really? Like, you'd, yeah. you'd never get the... the 
Christian God doing that? No. <laughs> Turning into a swan and making someone. <laughs> was it, like, the whole thing was they were supposed to be similar to people, weren't they? They had their faults. They were just like these yeah. beings of incredible power. Like, yeah, they were just like older and bigger. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they didn't actually control people's destiny. They just sort of controlled the factors. Yeah. And they would have fights with each other. Like, with, with, they basically toyed with people, didn't they? Yeah. Like, like, spoke people like Hercules and stuff like that. And, no. Like, you know, yeah. just have fights. And who was the one? Um, the Greek. Uh, or not the Greek. The, what did you call that film? Class of the Titans. Uh, it, it's all yeah. mostly made up. But what did you call the guy who controlled Pegasus and stuff? Oh. Is it Perseus? Maybe. Because I know in the actual myths, like, the, he's Zeus's son. Uh-huh. And, like, the other guy in it, whose name I've forgotten now, like, fights with him. But basically, Zeus has. A rivalry with this other god, and they use their sons to fight each other. To right? Like, yeah, know, yeah. Spur the rivalry, but yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah, it is a weird movie. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a brilliant movie. It's it's so <laughs> it's so soap opera ish. Mm. Like, um, but yeah, the Frankenstein, I guess. Yeah, the, I was just thinking there. There there are actually kind of plenty. There's kind of like regular intervals where Paul is kind of trying to make. Victor stop um, doing what he's doing, and these these are kind of um, situated quite. These scenes are situated quite regularly throughout the film, and they kind of get more and more. Paul gets more and more desperate as he sees what Frankenstein's willing to do. So um, I've got a few clips of those. Do you want to do you listen yeah. to to Paul and Victor arguing? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What matters is I'm creating a being that will live and breathe. Once the scars on the face heal, it won't look so bad. Victor, I appeal to you. Stop what you're doing before it's too late. But what am I doing? I'm harming nobody. Just robbing a few graves. Then what doctor or scientist doesn't? How else are we to learn the complexities of the human animal? Doctors rob for the eventual good of mankind. This can... This can never end in anything but evil. Well, you should have listened to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> we should all, always listen to people called Paul, shouldn't we, Paul? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, like, what do you think of Paul as a character? Do you think the guy who plays him, uh, what is his name written down, Robert Urk, Urquhart? Do you think he, do you think, do you think he's a good, good actor? Do you think Paul's a good character? Yeah, he's maybe a little, a little cheesy. A little, yeah, a little two dimensional. It could have been explored a bit more. Uh, I, I, I love the bit when whenever he just arrives and, and Frankenstein's, you know, the kind of it's it's young young Frankenstein, and he arrives and they do the whole thing where. Frankenstein, you know, the young Frankenstein's not telling him that it was him that wrote the letter. Yeah. And eventually he says, oh, will you go and get your father for me? And Frankenstein says, uh, my father's dead. And his reaction isn't, oh my God, I'm so sorry. His reaction is, that's quite ridiculous. I wrote to your father. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, so smug. It was I who wrote you. It was yeah. I who sent you the letter. I really hated young Victor. Yeah. It's sort of kid, like if you knew him, you'd really want to slap him. Like, I know. <laughs> Paul and Annie would have turned the wall out right then. <laughs> Stop wasting my fucking time. Um, but yeah, and the, 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 the bits where he's kind of trying to get Elizabeth to leave, but without actually telling her why. Um, I couldn't I couldn't genuinely find any reason why he wouldn't just tell her. If he was that worried about her health and obviously yeah. her safety and nothing was working, why didn't he just eventually go, right, okay, I didn't want to tell you, but he's fucking robbing graves and trying to build a, a human creature, so maybe maybe don't marry him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's your cousin. And he's your cousin. <laughs> I like, sort of like I could understand a bit though why Victor was kind of annoyed with him at times because 
he wasn't he was just very dogmatic about the whole thing like you know he was just like no this is wrong yeah. like, we shouldn't do this but like he could have at least <clears throat> tried to get him to do it in some sort of safe way maybe well he yeah. does he, he does at the start yeah. at the well, start he, he says um, we, 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 it's just after they've just got the dog to um, be brought back to life and he says oh you know we can we can if we start working now, we can present our findings to this convention in a few weeks' time. And then Frankenstein says, we can, but we won't, because there's oh, so much more we can do. Yeah. And then he's kind of saying, we should use this for the good of mankind to help people. And Frankenstein's kind of more, you know, he's more, he's more for the personal glory and fame, really, isn't he? That's about it, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, just, I just found the guy who plays him. I just found it, I mean, especially, you know, his, his work, he had his work cut out from appearing opposite Peter Cushing-like, but... It's just a bit. It's a bit unbelievable a lot of the time. I think, isn't it? It's kind of um, like a, I don't know, like a like a BBC Jane Austen production. Yeah. Although the BBC Jane Austen productions were fantastic. That's not even. A, Do you mean like kind of just stodgy? Yeah, just that kind yeah. of. Oh, that's, that's that's quite ridiculous. I don't think you should do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, delivered without any sort of well, panache, I guess. Yeah. It's, like, it has to be quite subtle though as well. I I think like that kind of reminded me of how good the Devils was in that sense that all the actors had. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> like. They had great delivery, but at the same time, then you went to rein it in and stuff as well. It's probably the sign, like Peter Cushing was like that, you know. It's a sign of a good actor, probably. Yeah. It's like Oliver Reed or uh, Vanessa Redgrave and all Emmons. Completely. Yeah. yeah. The bit where Paul wrecks the wrecks the brain and Frankenstein goes absolutely mental. I thought that was that was brilliant. Like, yeah, he was. properly invested in that character, wasn't he? Like, yeah. Cushing. Chris Lee, I mean. Doesn't say anything, but he's still quite magnetic. Um, yeah, you know, wasn't he dressed with a, with a little shit in his face, like? But um, he uh, he does it well. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think it was the, the the first time they they had met, so they didn't really know each other. And apparently, when they were getting ready, um, Cushing was in his dressing room, and Lee burst in and said, "This is a disgrace. I don't have any lines." And yeah. Cushing said, "Don't worry, I've read the script." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it. Uh, it's funny, uh, like with Lee in Dracula as well. He, I don't know. Obviously, he came into came into his own a lot more there. But I don't know. I think even his performance, silent performance in Frankenstein, is first Frankenstein. Uh, there's something uniquely horrific about it. You know? uh, yeah, it's he, yeah. Obviously, obviously was a good choice for him. I think he was charging two pound less a day than his main rival, so oh, yeah. that's why he got the, the job as well. Was his main rival a big name? Or yeah, I can't remember. It wasn't even I knew, but apparently it was a, a fairly big name at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, because of Lee taking this role, then uh, he obviously outshone him and uh, you know became the, the much much bigger star. You know, yeah, so so was it the case that when they filmed this, Lee would have been he would have been quite an unknown face to audiences? I think so. Yeah, I think he'd. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know how much he'd been in before, but I don't think he'd really had <coughs> major screen, like major screen credits anyway. But, uh, yeah. Did he get like typecast or anything because of that? Like, I, I could be incredibly wrong because I don't know much about his career. But like, was he always in horror films? I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think he's now he's sort of synonymous with horror. Yeah. Um, As is Cushing, really. Yeah, I suppose they both both ended up getting pretty solidly typecast through that. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Chris Lee's metal albums? I didn't know he had. He's made a couple of metal albums. I've heard of these. Uh, They're sort of, sort of prog metal, but they're, they're more, they're almost like classical music with 
with electric guitars. Like Criddle of Filth, that kind of thing? Really? Uh, it would be uh, not, yeah, no, not as sort of dirty as Criddle of Filth. A bit more cock rocky? A bit, it's more like uh, <laughs> like Dream Theater or something. I really don't like really? it. Uh, like sort of overly complicated progressive stuff? Is that like just yeah, dueling, yeah, dueling, exactly. dueling octave guitars, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, sort of keyboard yeah. solos as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's very proggy, very. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm good. I'm, like I'm, I mean, like would you like do you listen to it for for pleasure as opposed to just going? I listen to it once out of curiosity, <laughs> and uh, I would revisit it particularly if Mike listened to it. What does he do? Does he? I, I'm actually not too sure. We should actually we should get a, a, a play a thirty second clip of yeah, it or something. We definitely should hear. Uh, it's a good idea. Okay, um, but uh, it, yeah, I, I'm not even too sure if, if he's a guitarist or if he's a composer or, um, or what. But uh, it's 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 definitely metal, <laughs> and, and very recent as well. Like when he's doing this as a ninety year old or late eighty octogenarian. Like, was well, he going to listen to clips something? Yeah. So yeah, that was <laughs> so that was obviously Jingle Hell. Um, it's called, uh, which is I suppose by the time this goes out, it'll probably be a decent amount into December. So I suppose that's <laughs> at least a bit appropriate. But yeah, weird. Yeah, I mean the, the a bit more Ramonesy than, than yeah. That, that one was I suppose with the tune of Jingle Hell, it's hard to not make it punky if you're going to go metal. But uh, a lot of the other ones. We we listened to a few there in the in the gap and and uh, they're they're definitely something. They're more metal, but they're they're something like it doesn't work. Yeah, I think he's, he's done a lot of metal versions of Prokofiev as well. By the looks of it, that'd um, be weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole thing's nuts. But uh, yeah, yeah um, so because I mean, Christopher Lee's in his nineties, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. crazy. He's that old guy. He's no young pop anyway, like, mm. but he's. Uh, he obviously, yeah, loves metal. <laughs> My main memories of him now are Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. I think. Yeah, like that's that's the sort of era I would have seen him in as a, when I was young. Yeah, I think maybe I remembered him from some Hammer when I first saw him in Lord of the Rings, but I think I, I think I definitely would have been more exposed to him in Lord of the Rings. Um, Wickerman. Yeah. yeah. For me, it would be. Um, uh, the Man with the Golden Gun. We had we we, we when oh, we were yeah. kids we recorded that off TV uh, and uh, watched that all the time. So I always think of Christopher Lee's Scaramander, wasn't it? Mm. That's his name. Oh yeah, was yeah. Scaramander and obviously Lord Summerisle from The Wicker Man. He's yeah. absolutely phenomenal in The Wicker Man. Yeah, obviously. Brilliant Wicker Man. Do you think that was like probably his best role? I haven't seen enough of it. <laughs> possibly, <laughs> judge, yeah. But, like, it possibly was, is. Was particularly good. In that the, or Dracula yeah. movie? Oh yeah, he's brilliant as Dracula. I have to watch Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I've actually, it's, it's, Absolutely great. And actually, I know I just said earlier that he's almost better than Frankenstein. You would have said anything. Dracula, but I'm wrong. He's definitely better than Dracula. Mm. Uh, the only other Hammer film I've seen him in was uh, that film, The Devil Rides Out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he does his best with what is a terrible script. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, some, of, some, some of his lines are just absolutely horrendous. The, the whole thing is based on that kind of satanic possession, and it also runs on the premise that God exists. 
Um, and at the very end, um, when they've kind of defeated the evil, you know, cult type thing, one of the characters says, thank God. And Christopher <laughs> Lee's character goes, yes, that is who we should thank. <laughs> what? <laughs> I watched that in the QFT. It was a uh, kind of university film theatre in um, Belfast. And uh, the audience was just in stitches the whole way through the film. <laughs> Some of the lines are just horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> you fool! All that kind of stuff. He's in a great movie where he plays... It's not the Witchfinder General, but he plays like a Witchfinder. Um, and he yeah. has t- two nieces, I think, are living with him. And they are... I think they're... Not, maybe not possessed, but they're... Dabbling in witchcraft anyway. Is, or is, the, is, is the Witchfinder General Vincent Price? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. It's... it's uh, it was going to be my choice, actually, this week, but it's too similar to the Devils. But it's really, really something like... That's one, of those really ha- dark. it's one of those Hammer films I've never managed to see, but everyone goes on about it. It's, it's great. There's a lot of worth checking on. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's some, some of the darker elements that were almost ridiculous. Like there's a, a torture scene, but uh, the torturer is basically just slapping, slapping somebody <laughs> in the face repeatedly. And, uh, yeah. There's like all these hideous screams coming from the dungeon, but when you realise what it is, it's just like... It's just hitting me. Yeah. <laughs> just not like, not like Mark of the Devil, where they rip, rip the woman's tongue out or anything? No. <laughs> not that bad. Although I, I think... Uh, Horrible things are implied. Yeah, but classic camera can't really, can't no. really go too too no, far. No, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. it it was pretty brutal, pretty horrendous. Which one in general? But, mm. and, was but it, it Hammer as well? Then uh, I think it's Hammer. Is it? Yeah, okay, not that the most. The Vincent Price one is, yeah. de- is definitely Hammer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just to talking about kind of co- you know um, controversy, controversial films and stuff. There, I mean, this this was controversial when it came out, wasn't it? Because it's nineteen fifty seven, and I think there were yeah. well, there were two cuts. There was the one where <clears throat> he lifts up the eyeball and looks at it. And oh, yeah. It's a big close-up. I think that was cut. And I think oh. the scene in which the monster is shot in the eye. Oh, really? I think I think some of the blood was cut from that. There's another right. scene I was reading about apparently just being lost. Um, it's like when he puts <clears throat> the head in the acid bath. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I think you actually see it going in, but yeah. in the cut, it's just you see him sort of dropping it and then it cuts away. Yeah. But I think you probably see it drop into the acid and yeah. probably foam comes up or something yeah. but apparently that's just been lost because the right. great of it um, yeah. it's been lost to time I wonder is that one of those things where <clears throat> you know like when you consider the, the amount of effort Mark Kermud put in to get the Rape of Christ scene to find that I wonder if someone properly looked would they would they find that or has it just been you know? it could be I mean I think a lot of I think his film was so expensive I know like the BBC did this um, but um, Hammer might have done it as well just sort of reusing old tapes you know so um, that's right, there's like Do- uh, yeah. Doctor Who episodes are missing because yeah, yeah. they were recorded over. I uh, they, they always actually somebody explained this. Some Doctor Who fan was explaining this to me that uh, they always find them in like these weird like um, these weird like substations in in like the middle of Africa or <laughs> or uh, Middle East, and they're like they're television stations that were used most like. But the, <laughs> there's some weird connection with like some organization set up by MI6. I think had been used to like distribute. These films under the guise of being a uh, film distributor, but were actually s- some sort of major spy ring or something, and that's why these films ended up in all these far flung places. Was uh, mm. MI6 brought them? Hey, uh, what, 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 what was that film with? Is it Ben Affleck plays, and it was a true story, and it was about um, the Americans needed to go into Iran, so they pretended to be a film crew. Oh, is that, uh, is, that is that the Iranian host- or the Iranian embassy? Hostage taking something? Yeah, what do you, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. I've never seen it. I, saw that. I can't remember the name of it. It was quite Mulast year, it was Ben Affleck, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
everybody listening to this will, will definitely know what yeah. it's called because it was a really famous film. But that was essentially uh, the premise, wasn't it? The Americans had to pretend to be a film crew in order to get into Iran. I think it was, it was about to get into the Iranian, Iranian embassy. Oh, was it? I think it was maybe, yeah, like there was a hostage situation in the embassy. Was that the, the, the famous... Yeah, but possibly that that is also what happened as well. I don't know, probably that possibly it was one of the larger things. Yeah. But, um, <coughs> yeah, it's, I, I don't know if that's true about the, uh, the Doctor Who tapes and stuff. But, uh, Is that Neil told you that? No, somebody else. Somebody else at work. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, sounds pretty much. But yeah, so it could end up in some, some wee hut in the middle of Tanzania or something. Exactly, or yeah, because I mean, all these films were kind of quite big in um, in Europe because, uh, you know, uh, people like Jess Franco would have been very heavily influenced by um, the Hammer stuff, you know, because Fra- Franco started kind of doing his own versions of the kind of Frankenstein and Dracula um, uh, stories um, in the early 70s and obviously he kind of has a lot more sex and erotica and violence and it's a bit more kind of trippy and weird and that kind of Jess Franco style, but... yeah. Yeah, I suppose we could find them in some studio in Spain or some something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that film's called Argo, by the way. Argo, Argo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. um, yeah. What were you saying? Sorry about the. Huh? Jess Franco. Oh no! I was just saying um, the films were obviously really famous in, or really popular in Italy and and Germany and and Spain, which mm-hmm. is why. Was that sort of sparked all those sorts of? Yeah, I think so because like a lot of the uh, early Jess Franco films are, um, you know, like. Um, one of them is called Frank Frankenstein, Frankenstein versus Dracula or something like that as well. You know, just classic classic Jess Franco. Like, yeah. whatever's selling, I'll 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 knock something up in the space of three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> was that like was he conscious of that? Yeah, I take it he was. The yeah, yeah he, uh, just... Jess Franco would um, save money by and he, and he didn't tell the producers and film distributors, but he would kind of work on two films at once. So he would he would be filming one film for for someone, but he would know that in about three or four weeks' time he had another job, um, because I mean he made like three three hundred films or something in his career. He made like shitloads of films, and so he would go right. Well, I'm here, and I could just I'll just do a few shots and use them in the next film. Yeah. So that explain <laughs> like well, as well, I think the only one I've seen is the what do you call that one? The devils. The the demons. The demons. Sorry. Um. Yeah. The, I remember the editing being particularly bad. So it probably explains a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know, I sort of like in in retrospect, I think it was it was pretty awful, wasn't it? That film? It was. I mean, um, some some Jess Franco stuff isn't isn't really that good, but but when he when he hits the market, you know, Jess Franco's films were were class, like really really good. You, you have to do a lot of kind of you know forgiving him of certain things <laughs> because a lot of the time it's it just it just. He just appears to not care. Yeah. You know, well, what are the ones worth watching? Like, uh, the Devil Hunter is a good one, um, and some of those kind of Frankenstein and Dracula ones uh, were quite good as well. Um, he did one called uh, Oasis of the Zombies, which is quite. Oh no, you say yeah, you saw Zombie Lake. Remember that one? Is that the Nazi one? Yeah, the Nazis oh, in the Lake. <laughs> yeah. and the lake's clearly a swimming pool. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was dodgy as well. <laughs> Which, yeah, definitely worth checking out. So there's a few <laughs> golden nuggets in this sort of... Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, here, here's one for you. We don't actually know, because 
the the Curse of Frankenstein um, takes place in between two, like an epilogue and a prologue of him in the in the cell. Uh-huh. So we don't actually know that he's telling the truth. We don't actually know that the, no, that, that the events of the film aren't just a lie. Yeah. Maybe maybe he did murder murder all those people. Because all, yeah, all Paul point. says at the end is there's nothing we can do for him now. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Paul is the only person that can verify it, and he... Yeah. Maybe that's why he doesn't verify it, because it's not doesn't. true. Yeah. That's a good point. And actually, maybe that... Maybe that would explain why Paul, in the story, doesn't tell Elizabeth. Um, uh, yeah. You know, just because... Well, I don't know. But yeah, that... Um, in, in Frankenstein's version of events, he does tell her. Because it could all be a thing to do with, you know, maybe he did know, or or maybe um, you know, because he's having a fair affair with the maid, you know, maybe she, maybe she was going to tell him, so he killed her and then had to come up with this ridiculous yeah idea yeah. What do you think? Possibly a stretch. Yeah, maybe maybe a stretch, but um, yeah, no, it is it is possible. Yeah. I suppose with a, a device like that, then it also handily sort of like sweeps any plot holes away because then they can be blamed on Frankenstein's you know inability to tell us the proper story rather than mm-hmm. any of the, the writers it's handy that he has an acid bath like yeah washes away all the evidence <laughs> <laughs> yeah could you do that like if, if, if he'd killed a body or if he'd, if he'd killed someone could you just dissolve the body in acid and you'd be fine and, and that would there was apparently so yeah there was that guy can you remember his name he was English. Yeah, there was, that's right. There was acid bath murders. But he got yeah. caught because it didn't fully dissolve them. Didn't they find yeah. parts of the skull and stuff? I yeah. think uh, I was reading a, a book about Mexican drug wars recently. I might have been talking on the last podcast. I've talked something about it recently. Um, and there is, yeah, that's like there's one guy who was arrested for being the sort of one of the cartels' go-to guy for dissolving people in acid. Jeez. And apparently his his compound or the house he worked in was like it was a hut in the middle of nowhere. And um, he never really. Some of them weren't properly dissolved, like there are bits and pieces of like bodies that can still be found there. And like this journalist went to the site, and uh, the police didn't really bother collecting evidence from it. They just sort of arrested the guy and like sort of cordoned it off. And uh, so there's just loads of evidence that the body parts are still lying there, and uh, police don't really give it down. It's weird, horrendous. It must have been a lot easier to, to, to commit crimes, you know, when, uh, during the time when which Curse of Frankenstein is set. You yeah. don't have any DNA no, or exactly. fingerprints or anything. Yeah. I always uh, marvel that anybody caught anybody. I know. Times, you know. Like, you, yeah. you kind of wonder, you kind of wonder in, during that period, it was probably a lot more likely that people would be kind of uh, accused for something they didn't do. You know, yeah. maybe if they're like, like the village village idiot or, or, or their... their um, because in um, Frankenstein Created Woman, the guy is just basically implicated in this murder that he hasn't done because because uh, his dad was a murderer. And they all yeah. just go, oh, well, your dad was a murderer. It must be <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. And you got to wonder, with no DNA or fingerprints or right. forensic science, that a lot of the time they must have just had to just go, well, it was probably him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even exactly. if it wasn't him, his dad was a murderer, so who cares? Yeah. Well, I found this guy's name. He was called uh, John George Hay. Right. And apparently he was caught because he was um, he was stealing stuff as well. So the police sort of tracking down that way, and then sort of the noticed uh, his garden was all fucked up. So, <laughs> so they started digging and found like sludge, which was obviously yeah. uh, the cool. remainders of the body. But they found a gallstone and part of a denture. Ooh. So uh, yeah, because I think he was under the uh, impression that if there's no body, there's no crime. Yeah. yeah. Sort of thing. Or he can't be convicted. But. Aye. 
What was it? Something he googled. I'll be fine because Google says. For some reason, I think that's like war sort of period. Right. So why was he doing this? Was he just doing it because he was a serial killer? Should crack. Yeah, it was late 1940s. Right. Okay. Yeah, 1949 was his last victim. Right. Yeah. Um, We're reading about Jack the Ripper, sort of, recently, and um, apparently three people in Belfast were arrested for being Jack the Ripper. Two. Because apparently Jack the Ripper supposedly sent a letter to the Belfast Telegraph to say, I've got the the hell out of Whitehall. It's too too hot there at the minute. (laughs) Uh, so I'm uh, I've come to Belfast and I'm going to start killing people in Belfast. Uh, and did he? Uh, no, they arrested somebody like a couple of days later who might have been responsible for actually sending the letter. They're not sure, but um, mm-hmm. he had like he had a bloody razor on him, and um, and they arrested him for that. But they I think basically just let him. They couldn't prove it and let him go and they sent him, sent him to Scotland. He was Scottish, but another guy was arrested for wearing two hats and uh, this. this <laughs> if something something really weird like people in Royal Avenue saw him wearing two hats and and thought he was Jack the Ripper and chased him a mob chased him <laughs> I think maybe he was arrested for his own for his own good, own good or something <laughs> yeah and it's all like I was arrested for shouting I am Jack the Ripper and on like Donegal Street and, two uh, hats made him suspicious <laughs> yeah I'm not sure why <laughs> I, I couldn't really figure out what the significance of the two hats was I, I, I can't remember where I heard this actually but I, recently I heard that when the top hat came out everyone was completely shocked and horrified by it oh, the, yeah? the first time I saw someone wearing a top hat it was like oh my god <laughs> yeah. that's obscene yeah really yeah, but, like, you, know, you know what the Victorians were like <laughs> I know yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's strange. Michael's popping out all over the place. Like. Why? So I suppose <laughs> if that was their mentality, yeah. but then a guy wearing two hats was obviously a fucking cra- crazed <laughs> yeah. killer. I think wearing two hats is pretty nuts by standards. Like. But uh, <laughs> I, I think he was just called Jack as well. It was like two hats Jack. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we've had one serial killer, but I can't remember his name. I don't think he killed that many people, but it was enough to be considered a serial killer. But he like poisoned people or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went to Queens as well. Right, <laughs> but yeah. it was like back at the turn of the 1900s. But fuck, I can't remember his name. Mm. But I suppose with those guys, Bergenhauer, we're talking about, we uh-huh. exported them. Um, I think that guy recently. Can you remember? Uh, he was in England. And killed prostitutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was from here, I think. Was he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But he, I think he maybe moved to England at a very young age. Yeah. Right. I suppose in him. the sort of later half of the 20th century, probably a lot of serial killers operated under the guise of being, being paramilitaries. So yeah, the Shankle Butchers. Yeah. Danny <laughs> <Lonnie> Murphy. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But they were supposedly sold out by their own sort of side, weren't they? I think so, yeah. yeah. Apparently, um, I think those Republicans collaborated together in the only a one-off thing to, to have them killed. I think so. I think they were just like you know, we're we're having a war here. There's no time for just yeah, you know. My, obviously, it's all mindless butchery, but from their perspective, yeah, it was particularly they killed a Protestant as well, didn't they? I think, I think a, a few, yeah, I think, yeah. It was just it became just anyone, yeah, because they were just because they were just lifting people off the street, weren't they? Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like, yeah, it wasn't necessarily um, yeah. There's that that film. Um, <laughs> Resurrection Man. I, I've never like. seen it actually. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. I had to turn it off. It was only 15 at the time, but I actually had to yeah. turn it off at one point. 
Was it so absolutely horrendous? Was it any yeah. good with that film? Is it I liked it, but I was only like, you know, I think I was even younger, like 12 or 13, so it could well have been crap. I read some pretty bad reviews of it recently, actually. It came up in a list of like films like Belfast and, uh, mm-hmm. and in a BFI list or something, but it got pretty resoundingly sort of criticised. <laughs> Speeded, yeah. Based on a, an Owen McNamee novel? Or oh, was it? I think so, yeah. I think so, McNamee, I can't remember. Which might be better, but. Uh, mm. Yeah. It's, anyway. it's interesting watching some of that stuff on YouTube though. Like there's loads of sort of stuff about the troubles and everything on YouTube, and you just hear like special branch and stuff like giving interviews about how they caught people and stuff. Yeah, um, the Johnny Adair one's actually really interesting. Oh yeah, like uh, he basically kind of screwed himself over. Um, it, it's sort of weird hearing them talk about it. He used to like uh, well the two policemen that used to walk past where he lived. He'd just chat away to them all the time and tell yeah. them everything he'd done. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I killed this guy the other day, or I beat this guy up, or whatever. And yeah. Like, the, after, like, a few months of this, one of them went, should we tape record this? <laughs> yeah. And the next time they did, they just brought, like, uh, they had something on them, a microphone on them, and yeah. just recorded his conversation. Jesus. And we're Johnny Adair? Yeah. And that's how he went to prison. <laughs> what you? Was, yeah, it's just really stupid. <laughs> and he's released some of the Good Friday Agreement, yeah? Uh, he might have been. Probably, maybe. yeah. I had to move to Troon because the was the UDA or UBF who were after him. Uh, UDA, I think. I think yeah. he was in UDA. He was in UDA, but I think he's he still uh, over in Scotland. I don't know. He was big in some African country. <laughs> he he started like a like an African UDA company. <laughs> Sick. Um, like the, I remember it was Channel 5 did a documentary with him um, uh, it was with a kind of neo, a neo-Nazi guy yeah oh yeah it was the Germans like because uh, they went over to Germany and there's these guys who like worship them one of them yeah. had a shrine to Johnny Adair which Fuck. is so bizarre <laughs> <laughs> but, Jesus uh, Christ <laughs> yeah. yeah well anyway we're on a mass <laughs> tangent yeah. here <laughs> yeah. yeah one of the things I mean whenever um, whenever, whenever Elizabeth first arrives she walks through and assumes that Paul is Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. And then whenever Victor Frankenstein arrives, he immediately goes, Ah, Elizabeth. So, why does Frankenstein recognise Elizabeth, but Elizabeth has no idea what Frankenstein looks like to the point where she yeah. thinks that she assumes Paul is Frankenstein? I don't know. Maybe because he's expecting yeah. a, a woman yeah. to be there. Yeah. It's yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I suppose you're obviously Elizabeth, but... Yeah. But it's I, weird, isn't it? It is kind of weird. It's a kind of strange quirk of the script doesn't really like did you guys pick up on that no I, I, I picked I thought it was strange that she mistook him for Frankenstein first and then it sort of led nowhere but uh, yeah that, I suppose it's I thought that was it, weird yeah so it just adds some sort of reality it doesn't need to be yeah. a sort of functional plot direction or anything because obviously uh, Elizabeth is a little girl at the start yeah who, who's in mourning with his yeah. aunt her yeah, mum and, and then she does the she you know, tells him or asks him if he's going to continue her alliance, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, obviously, then that, that, that's Elizabeth, the, the little girl, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. I'm almost, almost certainly that's what I took from it, yeah. So, so what's implied is that she, she goes away and grows up and doesn't see him again yeah. until that day. Because yeah, Because exactly. why else would she think that... Uh, I suppose yeah. it's just because people lived... You know, because travel wasn't was I, so difficult that maybe you, you didn't know what your cousin looked like or something like that. Yeah, I, I true, know. possible, yeah. It's weird that Paul doesn't really age, does he? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> just like, they don't even attempt to. Like, no, he, he gets a bit of facial hair, I think. So, and then I think later yeah, on, they don't grey up his hair or anything. I, I think they maybe do grey it a bit, don't they? I didn't notice him getting older. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But uh, <laughs> I like the the montage where they're just doing science stuff. <laughs> yeah, I I, I love that. I, I actually kind of um, uh, recorded a clip of that. If you want to listen to, because cool. what, what I think it actually puts across is Cushing's delivery. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing. If you actually listen to it, uh, you can just you can hear he's kind of almost Shakespearean in his delivery of these of this line, and it, it just kind of seems it, it kind of has that kind of um, what you were saying D at the start, that kind of almost like antiquated charm that you get with Hammer films, you know, kind of received pronunciation and kind of quite rhythmic lyrical language a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, we'll have a listen to that. Yeah, definitely, yeah. My first opinion of Paul was soon confirmed. He turned out to be an admirable tutor. In two years, I learned all he had to teach, but we went on together, probing into the unknown, investigating, recording, searching. Always searching until gradually the great sweep of our research began to assume a single direction. And to this aim, we finally turned all our energies. It took us years of unrelenting work to discover what we were seeking. And then, one night, out of sight and sound of the rest of the house, our efforts were rewarded. What do you think? Uh, I mean, there's probably... Probably a lot of readings you could do into uh, into the sort of cultural contemporary significance of it uh, at the time, um, and I suppose one of the reasons we touched on earlier was the uh, sort of Nazi parallels, Cold War scientist, Nazi scientist, and uh, I suppose uh, as well. I sort of thought maybe uh, it it could be a sort of parallel to like so Oppenheimer and the, the atomic bomb, you know, and. Uh, mm. um, Oppenheimer, I think, has been referred to as Prometheus uh, a few times. In, in no, really? And, uh, and um, also, um, yeah, I think he referred to himself from the, the Bhagavad-Gita, uh, like, about uh, being the, the destroyer yeah. of worlds and the bringer of death and stuff, which sort of seems to seems to sort of tie into the sort of Prometheus myth again, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know, I sort of thought I took a, a sort of atomic age reading from it yeah. um, especially well, scientists in that in the 1950s it's probably hard to yeah, the dangers hard of separate, separate the two you know have you ever seen any of those Soviet videos of science uh, like uh, the experimentations with animals uh, I've only seen one foxes I think, but is that the one I, I know there's one where they have a dog and they basically attach another dog to it oh yeah like they cut oh. off its, its back legs and basically just attach this other dog. It's just really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but the videos are out there that did it like back then. And Why? Oh my God. <laughs> I think just to see if they could, like you know, yeah. just you know, just see what would happen. Pretty much, like um, there's loads of weird sort of Soviet videos of these things. I don't know if it was Pavlov. I mean, maybe he was involved. Like he's famous for the dog experiment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pavlov's dog. What is that? It's the one where like he like would feed them food and ring a bell. Yeah. And yeah. then just keep doing this, and then eventually he noticed that if he just rang the bell, they would saliva it, and they associated the sound with eating. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it was like he, he said that's similar to humans, like positive so, reinforcement. Yeah. yeah, we'll associate events with certain sounds or various other sort of like uh, things that happen, like the right, yeah, like smell can bring you back to a yeah. holiday ten years ago or something. Yeah, pretty yeah. much that sort yeah. of thing. Like, but uh, I don't know if he was involved in that <coughs> stuff. He might have been, but. Yeah, some weird stuff. But I think like stuff like that, like even when you talk about Mengele, 
sort of raises like ethics concerns in terms of developing science in the future because I know a lot of the Nazi experiments actually helped in terms of like understanding how to resuscitate patients who like are on the verge of drowning because so. mm-hmm. basically he would drown people and then try and bring them back yeah and because of that it advanced that you know uh, particular area of science so much and a tiny amount of time, but the way he did it is obviously absolutely horrible. Yeah, yeah, totally. But uh, yeah. a lot. Was there some sort of I I maybe made this up, but was there some sort of like agreement that scientists wouldn't use uh, information gained by Magalus experiments? They like um, I've never I've, I've never heard of that, but um, I don't know. I remember I, I don't I, really I see what the that. I think there was an I don't issue. What the point would be in that? Yeah. No, because if you've got that knowledge, there was actually. Do you guys ever listen to the Infinite Monkey Cage on Radio Fours? The Brian Cox thing. I used no. to, and no, I just found it really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> I, I find I've started to find Brian Cox a bit annoying. Um, His voice can do kind of. Um, and he, he he disses the arts a lot, a lot uh, too often, I think. But um, but anyway, yeah. yeah, the 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 discussion I think it was this week or last week um, was going basically that like. Um, knowledge you know knowledge and information standing alone from things um and but then obviously i think they actually used you know the kind of um stuff that the nazis discovered through their horrendous uh surge you know surgery and things they were using that as an example and kind of saying you know is it right to use that and obviously knowledge exists in a pure form and it's then kind of yeah it, it depends on i mean you, you see that with frankenstein and paul you know Paul wants to use it for good to save lives and presented at this conference whereas Frankenstein's like no we have to yeah. create a perfect man and um, I'm still laughing at Frankenstein and Paul <laughs> Paul no Paul <laughs> it just makes the name Paul really funny <laughs> I know it's because like, they're all like yeah like Elizabeth and Justine and Victor <laughs> yeah. Paul Paul <laughs> For God's sake, it's not even like I, I don't think there's a Paul in the book, is there? There might be. I don't, I don't know. think so. <laughs> to me, Paul just sounds like a really like a modern name. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's not as a biblical name, but it, uh, yeah, it, it is. It just jars. Like, <laughs> I think any one syllable name in a Hammer movie sounds ridiculous. Yeah, that's a good one. Where did the famous sort of Igor character come from? Then? I don't was know. That? Was it Universal or? Yeah, I think that's the Universal Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, was that? Yeah, and that's the famous one with the bolts and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. alive. Um, Boris Karloff, and it yeah. was interesting because the this the Curse of Frankenstein was initially supposed to be a lot more like the Universal films, wasn't it? But Universal yeah, Universal yeah. found out, yeah, and threatened to sue them. Yeah, they so were they had, pretty hard on them. So they had to come up with the, something. Yeah, it said if there's any any resemblance at all, they'll sue them. Which is kind of a dick move. Because it is kind of a dick move. There is that in a novel, you know. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't even in the, it wasn't even there. Is no. idea? It's possibly better for it though in the end. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It forced it to be more inventive. And, uh, so I just um, think of the the monsters now. I think of that classic Frankenstein. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, that crappy. When was that made? Actually, <laughs> the monsters. Um, 60s, well, 70s. 70s. I think I'm probably more familiar with the color one. Was there like a remake? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe it, it sort of like. I, I, I thought it maybe just sort of bridged the sort of the change from black and white to colour but, yeah, okay. uh, but maybe not actually I don't know it could have been remade actually mm. just remember Saturday afternoons on ITV yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always find that show horrendously boring when I was a child The it Monsters probably was but I, I, I watched it anyway was, yeah. I can't remember actually, no, I think it might have been a remake uh, I think you're right because uh, there was there was one I think a remake was slightly more risque possibly mm. yeah. or there had been something about them and um, all the, the male members of the family will 
watching uh, watching as a cheerleader's top fellow from TV or something. Bro, like <laughs> getting aroused. Does does he have a, a an assistant in the book? It's years since I read the book. Probably not since university. I can't remember. I think I have a feeling he doesn't. I think the no. the Igor, the kind of hunchbacked Igor character, is definitely from the Universal. Yeah, yeah I don't think he, he does. I, I don't know. I could be totally wrong. It's mm-hmm. been yeah. I haven't read the book since I don't know, fifteen or something. I don't, I've never read the book. It's one of those yeah. books I haven't. I read Dracula years and years and years ago. Can't really remember it now. <laughs> I love. It. I reread Dracula every year or two. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like, it is good. Like it's it's really it's really lame in that like every every other chapter ends with like a group hug and they all talk about how much they love each other and stuff. It's yeah. pretty strange, but uh, it's it's a brilliant book. Like, I kind of thought there was a wee nod to uh, well Nosferatu the book where uh, Justine the maid whenever she kind of realizes he says oh, we need proof so she obviously creeps up to the laboratory to get proof and then uh, the monster kills her. Uh-huh. But um, she's looking at something like I think she's looking at she's found like a, an animal or something and she's kind of petting it, <clears throat> and then behind her this um, shadow of a oh, yeah. of an arm reaching out. Yeah, kind of yeah. And I thought that was really like yeah, like Nosferatu. Uh, yeah. I was wondering if that was a nod. It could have been actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, was it uh, go back to Mary Shelley though? She hung about with some quite famous names, didn't she? Byron as opposed to something. Yeah. 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 Max Stirner uh, as well, a famous yeah. like anarchist writer. Who was her husband? Percy uh, Shelley. Percy Shelley. What did he do? Well, he was a romantic poet, poet well, yeah. but he was also one of the first open a- open atheists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's kind of. Uh, and uh, they were actually a famous family because it was Shelley's. Yeah, because yeah. it was um, Mary Mary Wollstonecraft. Yeah, was her mother. Yeah, and okay. William Godwin. Yes. Yeah. Who was was wasn't her, he? Was he her father or stepfather? I can't remember. I think it was your father. And he was one of the first kind of anarchists. I think yeah, that name sounds really yeah. familiar. Yeah, I know Max Stirner wrote the, some famous book to do with anarchism. He was famously like ridiculed by Marx. Ah, it's right. just weird seeing all these like we circles and I know you know, yeah. people came into yeah. contact with each yeah. other. <laughs> and they, 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 they probably would have known like the Wordsworths, wouldn't they? And Coleridge uh, and Charles Lamb, all those people. They would have all kind of hung around the same. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Actually, yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, uh, they. Uh, I think. Wordsworth anyway was maybe a bit more like I don't know tame yeah or maybe too shocking for Wordsworth well Wordsworth was quite radical in his youth because the French Revolution was going on he and and Coleridge were very radical but then he turned into a big conservative yeah towards the end of his life quite Wordsworth yeah yeah he could be quite dull I quite like Wordsworth but he could be quite dull I was like Coleridge yeah Coleridge Coleridge is a sort of like he was sort of like the bad boy of the of the good boys. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, loved the old opium, didn't he? Coleridge? He did. Yeah, <laughs> he's mad about that shit. Did Shelley write much poetry? Or was he yeah. Just oh yeah. yeah, absolute giant. So I don't think it? I really yeah. know much about these people. He, he, yeah, he was. Didn't he write Prometheus Unbound? Uh, oh, sorry, I meant oh, Mary Shelley. I can't remember. Oh, Mary Shelley. Oh, but Mary Shelley. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Just fiction, really, was it? Or? But uh, did she, she, did she do anything beyond Frankenstein? She really? definitely did, but I can't. I actually can't remember what. Yeah. Um, I was never big on Shelley, like the yeah. Shelleys or the Romantics. Yeah. But uh, hmm. she she definitely did write a few things. I, I'm pretty. Sure, I'm almost certain she wrote poetry as well. Hmm. And possibly. 
play or two. I don't know. But uh, I should have done some Mary Shelley homework. I just had a crazy weekend. Just lots yeah. of drinking and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Byron. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I know. I've had a, <laughs> a crazy weekend as well. Well, apparently this was the original concept for the film was a black and white feature. There was supposed to be supposed to be black and white with Boris Karnoff as the Frankenstein monster, right? Um, uh, so the the script was completely redone. So that it sounds like they actually did it initially intend Karnoff to play the monster, uh-huh. and then apparently it was the first Frankenstein movie to be filmed in color. So it was filmed from November nineteenth, nineteen fifty six to January the third, nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But you know, the, 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 the other kind of uh, um, similarity to the novel is, and the Universal film, is the bit where the monster's in the woods. Yeah. Because in the book, doesn't he kill the girl? He... He, he kind of throws, yeah. her, he, he throws her into the lake. Yeah. But it's an honest mistake, really, isn't it? Uh, exactly. It's like... Um, he's, he's kind of... Pl- to... He's playing with her. Yeah, exactly. And then she drowns and everyone obviously goes mental. Yeah. And that, that happens in the Universal film. And apparently that was very... That, that, I think that scene was actually cut. Yeah. From some of the Universal releases, because that was considered too shocking for a, yeah. for a child to, to die on screen. Yes. Um, and then obviously in this film, he kills the blind man, I, and then he kills the wee boy, doesn't he? I'm not sure if he kills the boy. I wasn't sure mm. if he did or not. See, I would. I I'm I'm trying to read up to see if figure out if he actually did or not. But um, it's probably deliberately ambiguous to avoid yeah. that. You know that. Yeah, that, that, that controversy. Yeah. Um, but it's a great scene when when he's just been shot in the eye and he's kind of wandering and there's the uh, it's really autumnal all the leaves are on the ground I think that yeah. kind of I thought was a kind of classic hammer shot you know that apparently some of the leaves were painted red and yellow to um, to sort of suggest impending violence well, yeah I know as well I uh, don't know I, I didn't notice it yeah but, huh. yeah that, that, that's a great scene it is yeah the only other Frankenstein I've seen was the Kenneth Branagh one or something. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. Was it good? Uh, I have a memory of enjoying it, but yeah. uh, I suspect if I watch back now, I might not. Robert, uh, Robert De Niro and he play the monster. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember trying to watch it as a like as a pretty young kid and being quite bored by it because I I sort of expected you know Universal style bolts in the neck, yeah. and big head and stuff. It's kind of but uh, mo- I think I think I watched it then a few years later and I enjoyed it. Yeah. He's a lot more intelligent, I think, the monster. Yeah, this is pretty inf- more faithful to the book. Yeah, it? um, so that's the thing. I haven't read the book, so is uh, the monster quite like intelligent? Yeah, like he, te- he teaches himself English just by, yeah. listening, by listening to a group of a family of people. I exactly. Um, he he hides yeah. in their house. Yeah, and he confides in one of them who's blind, like the, the old man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Ernest says trust them, becomes friends, and then finally decides now is the time I can reveal myself because they trust me. But I. Obviously, the whole point of Shelley's novel is is this idea that as soon as they see how grotesque he is, they immediately pound him out of the house. I yeah. think, and that's when he turns and against humans. Exactly, and they have the whole Arctic Circle uh, stuff as well going on. There. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, strange twist. Mont Blanc, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I can't really remember. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, but uh, they, yeah, I think that that version is. I think it was actually even just called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein it was released as yeah. was that a thing in the 90s <laughs> yeah because there's Bram Stoker's yeah exactly or? which actually deviates from the book quite a lot as well but, yeah. um, so it's, it's it's very different I think that that film was like an adolescent dream like uh, if you're going through puberty like what 
uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Why? Yeah, yeah. It's just full of naked women. Like if you're a young male, it's, a, it's your first chance to see any sort of nudity. Boobs. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and then they, then they turn out to be hideously deformed, which is, is like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> not sure what to figure. It takes the shine off. Yeah, yeah that, that was one of Jess Franco's big big things. Was um, kind of eroticized vampire films. Yeah, uh, he, he he did a lot of that that kind of stuff. Seemed to be really into it. So, it's obviously it come it, back in a big way as well, like with uh, Twilight. And, yeah, and the, the many many spin-offs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, one of Franco's most famous films was called Vampiris Lesbos. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his, his uh, partner uh, Lena Rame um, appeared in a lot of those films. But this just seems to be to me. There just seems something innately Spanish about eroticized <laughs> vampires now. Yeah. <laughs> I think my memory of like those sort of old kitsch English films, um, you know that one, is it Brides of Dracula? Yes. That, called? Yeah. Um, that one has a lot of nudity in it, as far as I remember. Yeah. But that's, is, that's not Hammer, is it? I don't know, I don't think it is Hammer, but uh, or it could be Hammer, I don't know. Because I associate like lots of just like women with like tight corsets. and Yeah, yeah well there's the classic um, um, Ingrid Pitt one, uh, Vampire Lovers. That's another Hammer uh-huh. film, you know, oh, um, Ingrid Pitt. She was in. Yeah. She she plays Contest Dracula in, oh, yeah. in that film. That was the there was like the, the Hammer Karnstein trilogy. It's kind of unofficially called, and she appeared in that first one. And there's yeah, I mean it's kind of early seventies where there's there's plenty of nudity in that. Like, um, I think that kind of happened as as Hammer started to kind of begin their decline. They started kind of putting more nudity yeah. in it, and she's in it, and she's actually brilliant. I mean, she's obviously incredibly beautiful, but. She's actually she's not just she's not just there for for show. She's uh-huh. she's actually a really really good performance. Yeah. I actually had planned at one stage to start a a career with a pseudonym of writing uh, erotic vampire novels because it, be, it became a big boom industry after Twilight. Yeah, and uh, I had a all well, I really got was titles, but uh, one how oh, were they? Uh, it bit me and it felt like a kiss. Once, once bitten twice hot uh, <laughs> and mine was fangs fangs for the shag but uh, <laughs> but actually somebody else uh, somebody else had a, a better one which was fangs for the mammaries oh uh, nice way better but I had, I had no more but I can't think of them now but, uh, yeah. is it, it's actually interesting that out of all the kind of monsters that vampires have become the kind of cool eroticised sexy things yeah because, isn't it because Dracula, Dracula does actually kind of have quite a lot of kind of sexual subtextual readings, yeah, isn't it? Because that's the kind of the exchange of blood and yeah, and things like that. And he kind of specifically targets women. True, and I think um, it was based on uh, oh, what do you call him? Uh, Henry Irving. Henry Irving. Yeah. Uh, who was an actor, and Bram Stoker was his assistant, I think. And there was a sort of homoerotic relationship there, unspoken sort of between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was like a, a real love hate relationship where I think Henry Irving was a, a dick to Stoker, and uh, and uh, Stoker, yeah, sort of made him literally made him into a monster. Okay. Uh, but, uh, or literally, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <Is that> <laughs> literally and literarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, the. Um, uh, that's the Curse of Frankenstein isn't really in any way eroticized. The monster is quite, you know, it's obviously it's Christopher Lee and he's all deformed and. Well, actually, I there's really any nudity in it. I started to wonder, in uh, when it was said earlier that uh, he 
Frankenstein isn't really too concerned with. Well, you got the, the maid pregnant, but it seems to be just sort of like a, a functional sort of relationship where he just wanted to want to ride. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just uh, did the maid, but so to speak. But uh, he, um, yeah, his his relationship then with Elizabeth never it, it's never consummated. I don't think on his wedding night he goes off to perform experiments and uh, <laughs> as soon as the last uh, guest arrives he's yeah. away from his lab. And I wondered then is maybe like is the monster maybe some sort of like ex- metaphor for an extension of his libido in some way? And uh, mm. you know because it it's the it's the aggressive one it. It rages when Elizabeth walks, like it breaks out of the wall or off the wall out of the chains. Uh, when Elizabeth walks in, uh, when he sees her, it's like it's sort of like raging. The beetle was all being focused into the monster. Is that possibly? I don't know. It, it could be, and that would also help support my theory, or not my theory, but the idea that the whole thing is is a lie. The whole thing is made yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I suppose contextually within the one film, you definitely think that. But as suppose given the sequels. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. But that, that's definitely the opinion you can have. Like, yeah. it's all left kind of open to interpretation. Yeah. Uh, just regarding, the, like, when he's looking for you know the perfect brain and everything, do you think he looks for the perfect penis? Maybe that was like another cut scene. <laughs> oh, look at it, Paul! <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's the most beautiful penis I've ever seen, Paul. It's perfectly veiny. <laughs> <laughs> not too stumpy, not too long. That's <laughs> nice, Paul. So yeah, that got filthy real fast. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. Is he, is he well hung, the monster? Yeah. Because like, you want like an artist's hands and a, a, yeah. a, a, a robber's body and a professor's beard. The, the, the hands are being quite funny. Like. <clears throat> Was like kind of looking at the hands, like it's just. I, I think I remember that being quite funny at the time. It was just kind of strange. You kind of yeah. lift them up. It was all oh, that beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> he is properly crazy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does manage to put it across really well. I think Cushing, you know, it's an, it's another one of those films. It's a few films we've kind of discussed that have been like this, like Duncan House, where it's kind of the whole film's resting on one actor's shoulders, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Did Cushing Cushing play Sherlock Holmes at some stage, didn't he? I don't know, but I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a, a Sherlock Holmes murder by decree uh film where I think he goes he tries to catch Jack the Ripper. And um I think that might have been Cushing or it might have, it might have been a different one that's Cushing was in, I can't really remember. I've watched Murder by Decree years ago. Yeah. Could be uh, Cushing. I would have liked to have seen him be like um Maybe he has done it, but like in some Hollywood film where he plays a proper sort of evil main villain. Yeah. Has he done anything like that? I don't that? know, actually. I'm not sure. I think he'd be pretty good at it. Yeah, he would. He's great in Star Wars, isn't he? Yeah. What do you call it? His general something or other? I can't remember. I uh, can't remember. I'm not, not big in Star Wars. Yeah, I like it, but I'm not, I'm not geeky enough to know his, yeah, that's <laughs> his name. Like. Um, I'm actually not a mad fan of Star Wars, which is... It's sort of anathema to a lot of people I know. But. I think I enjoy it, but it's not something I could easily live without it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think I could happily never watch it again. <laughs> um, I don't mind it. I don't mind the, the sort of the original three 
yeah. I think mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm a fan more out of nostalgia because I think like the re- well they did horrible remasters of them yeah and then yeah that's right I yeah, went I went to see them yeah yeah they were they were kind of balls um, more Star Trek though. Yeah, Star Trek's worth that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. So maybe you know, the end of coming. Yeah, I think we've maybe maybe dissected, so to speak, Frankenstein. <laughs> Very good. The monster to death, <laughs> or back to life, or whatever. Yeah. Um, Exhumed knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose maybe um, we could do our, wee, our final review, couldn't we? Yeah. Marks it a 17. Marks it a 17, okay. Uh, D? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I did enjoy it, but I think compared to other films we've watched, I sort of actually kind of want to redact my rating of Halloween. <laughs> Can you remember what I gave that? It was like 8 or something? I think I want to go higher, because I don't think I like, enjoyed it more than that. You enjoyed, you enjoyed Halloween more than Curse of Frankenstein? No, uh, I definitely enjoyed this more than Halloween, but uh, I'm just thinking in the grand scheme of things, I probably enjoyed Halloween a lot more than some other films. I'm trying to think what would be a good score. Uh, 14? For this? Yeah. And maybe give Halloween 12? No. Okay. <laughs> in uh, retrospect. But yeah, no, it's a good film. I think there's more to be read into it than, you know, is immediately apparent. But I suppose that comes from the Frankenstein story in general, like, but, uh, it is solely led by Peter Cushing, I think, and without him, I don't think it maybe would have been as good, because he's quite compelling. Like, mm-hmm. I think he'll always any film he's in, he'll probably carry it. Like, but uh, no, yeah, it's good. I'll go for what did I say, fourteen? I think so. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah. I was actually gonna go fourteen as well, um, and I think yeah, you're right. Cushing is is the yeah the, the main attraction there, like, and uh, yeah, it's, I I think it's. A terrific sort of gothic, gothic retelling of film. It's done. It, it, it's atmospheric, um, and it uh, it conjures all the all the things you want from a sort of gothic horror, you know. And brings them all together nicely. You know, the script isn't amazing, but it's you know, it's 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 entertaining and it, it's compelling. And it's a lot darker than you would you would sometimes expect a Hammer or a fifties movie to be. You know, but, mm-hmm. I think it definitely set the standard for uh, high for for the horror movies to come in the next couple of decades you know so yeah 14 yeah I I, I think I would probably go 14 as well <clears throat> um, so I may as well just say 14 uh, I think it's great I, I mean I think maybe Crystal Release may be a bit wasted in it I, don't, I, I think kind of you know anyone really could have done that yeah that really, I, I think, um, well any actor I think his you know. presence is, is quite compelling yeah but, uh, I mean his height alone is, is great yeah yeah the 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 bit where he grabs um, uh, Frankenstein and kind of holds him up with one hand, you can kind of tell that Peter Cushing's just standing on a box. <laughs> yeah. But um, it shows how you know how tall and kind of domineering uh, Christopher Lee was, and that comes across probably best in The Wicker Man. Um, but yeah, anyway, Curse of Frankenstein, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, Peter Cushing is amazing, um, and I, I really enjoyed watching the the other two films, the other two kind of Cushing Frankenstein films. I would kind of recommend. Um, uh, people watching those I'm pr- pr- probably going to go back and try and watch the rest of them um, yeah great film Lo- I, I love Hammer um, I think most people kind of our age and older remember when BBC used to show Hammer films every Saturday night yeah yeah. and uh, yeah there's just, just something kind of charming about them 
Um, and I think Christopher Frank is a great example. And um, it's not not a bad starting point actually, is it for anyone for anyone wanting to get no. into the Hammer films? Yeah. So yeah, fourteen out of seventeen. Class cool. film. Yeah. So what about next? Well, we're doing. I was going to say Bad Santa next, but it's <laughs> Black Black Christmas. Yeah. Next next time yeah. it's um, we're kind of doing another communal choice, like like Halloween was, um, and it's going to be yeah, Bob Clark's Black Christmas. But. Uh, whose choice is it for after that? Is it mine? Yeah. Your own? Have you decided yet, or are you going to leave that till? Um, I could decide now, or else I could wait until. It's up to you. If you haven't decided, you could leave it till Black Santa or Black Black Santa. What the hell? Black exploitation film. I'm sure there is a Black Santa film. Uh, Born to be Happy Kwanzaa, uh, <laughs> motherfucker or something. Uh, but. Um, I forgot, yeah. I forgot the title. Black Christmas. Black Christmas, yeah. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with me? Like? I hope there is a Black Santa film. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I'm going to look it up tonight. Black Santa. He's Santa. He's black. It's <laughs> 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 uh, an amazing target. <laughs> I think if, if, there's, if there's not, uh, we, we know what we have to do. <laughs> I think we can get Martin Lawrence. Hopefully, so I'm sure we can. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Well, just as usual, make him a policeman. <laughs> dressed up as a woman, dressed up as Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I, I think I'll leave it um, until Fair until the Black Christmas episode, because I, I'd kind of forgotten that it was my, my pick. Cool. So, yeah, um, we'll do Black Christmas, and hopefully that'll be out before, before or around Christmas time. Um, so, yeah, I guess, that, I guess that's another episode. Done, lads, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah, just to kind of say goodbye, so, flea bag? Oh, I'm going to get some marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> Will you pass the marmalade, please? <laughs> and Paul! <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. Yay. And goodbye for me, and we'll see you next time for Black Christmas. My monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash He did the mash It got on in a flash He did the mash He did the monster mash From my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from their humble to get a jolt from my electrode They did the mash They did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash They did the mash It caught on in a flash They did the mash They did the monster mash The zombies were having fun The party had just begun The guests included and his son The scene was rocking over digging the sounds Igor on chains back by his baying hounds The coffin bangers were about to arrive With their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five They played the mash They played the monster mash The monster mash 
It was a graveyard smash. They played the mash. It caught on in a flash. They played the mash. They played the monster mash. Oh. Out from his coffin, Rex's voice did ring. Oh. Seemed he was troubled by just one thing. Oh. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, oh. Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, Rack's a part of the band And my Monster Mash is the hit of the land For you, the living, this mash was meant to When you get to my door, tell them what is said Then you can mash Then you can Monster Mash The Monster Mash And you, my graveyard smash Then you can mash You'll catch on in a flash Then you can mash Then you can Monster Mash